my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. I think the first thing is first. You can't, you can't get around this. You have to be good at what you do. Like you, you have to invest in learning what you're really good at and just doing that to the best of your ability. Like that's the one thing that, that's the one impression that you're going to make with most people. They're going to remember, did you say what you were going to do? You ran that event and it went really well. You were, you know, on time, you, you know, you communicated. Like, just be a good, whatever you want to be in the world, like, just be good at that. I'm Will 
Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Jerron Petty is founder and CEO at ColorStack, a nonprofit collegiate organization that helps black and Latinx computer science students get degreed and hired. When he was at Cornell, he worked as an intern at Google and later turned them down for a full-time gig to start his own entrepreneurial journey. We've had so many conversations nationwide about the pipeline for black talent in tech, I wanted to get an idea of its current state. Jerron, who works on this issue every day, provides an update. When you look at the data, there's about 30%, um, you know, black and Latinx computer science students or, or people make up 30% of the population, 20% of CS grads, and about 10% of the industry. So there's drop-offs at each level where you could say not enough students are graduating with CS degrees to begin with, but also from the ones that are, they're not getting jobs in software, right? They're maybe going into IT or becoming a teacher or doing something that they weren't intending to do. So we're trying to solve this like multi-layered problem of like access to jobs, placement, retention, and then even attraction to, to bring that 20% to 30%, right, and, and at the onset. Do you see enough black students interested in computer science? So I studied CS myself, right? So I was a CS grad. Um, and so when I was on campus, the whole reason I started doing this work was because I did see that. I did see the interest but what you would find is that even in that intro course at a lot of these universities, the intro course is not an intro course. You know, they kind of gotten so used to these people that come in and have been learning how to study, how to code and program from when they were in middle school. So the professors, I think, have adapted for the wrong reasons and have now expected so much prior knowledge where black students, brown students are going into these intro courses and they feel behind. And once they, you know, get a bad grade on that on that first test or project, they're dropping the class. They're dropping the major. Yeah. So I was reading something, uh, a different interview you were doing. and You were talking about your personal mission that you found many of your peers, your counterparts in these classes uh, weren't doing well in, in these classes. Yeah. Um, and you, you talked about this is pervasive. And why is that pervasive? Like many would say we just aren't as talented or, you know, we don't have the proclivity for math and science. Well, in, in your research and in your work, what have you found to be the reasons why we're not um, ready for these classes in so many respects? Yeah, I think the, the first thing is definitely, you know, what I just mentioned about prior knowledge. Like if you didn't go to a, if you didn't go to that private school, right, that had CS 101 as a freshman, right? I think public education is just catching up to CS education um, and baking that into the curriculum for high schools. But if you either didn't, if you either didn't go to a school um, that had the coursework or you had a family friend that just was able to expose you to that at a young age, you are coming in at a college level feeling so behind. So there's that, there's that mental kind of barrier where you just are not as confident when you're going into your first intro course and everybody else seems to know everything. That's already, like from day one, you're already discouraged, right? And then I think some other areas within on the campus where students are kind of selling themselves short is, for example, office hours. I was a TA for a lot of the common CS courses at Cornell. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, a lot of students would, wouldn't 
go to office hours, right? Maybe it's because of the same issue they're facing in classes where they feel like if they go to office hours, they're just going to be, you know, reinformed that they're like behind or feel like they're dumb for asking questions. Um, but it's a lot of those small things where, where privileged kind of in-network students already know that like office hours is office hours are there i can go talk to the professor i can use these resources but when you feel so behind and when you're not kind of in these environments already you just don't feel like you you can participate in the same way then with that response then is waiting until we get to college too late to make sure that we're ready for you know actually getting internships to be able to get jobs I don't believe so. I mean, I think, you know, shout out to all the orgs, Code Nation, um, America on Tech that are doing that are doing work at the high school level, Black Girls Code. I think it does. It, it is helpful to start earlier and kind of get that exposure. But I don't think it's too late. I think within when you're on a campus that is already about discovery of oneself and really just learning and expanding your horizons, I do think there is hope where there's students who are still primed for pushing their their limits and kind of expanding their horizons and trying something new. But it does take intentional effort at the earliest stage, that first fresh that freshman year. Because once you the way the curriculum and the, the major system is set up at a lot of these schools is, you know, if you try to change your major once you're a sophomore or junior, it's near impossible. Right. And so you really have to target and support those students at the freshman level. And I'll even tell you this from when I was at Cornell and we were doing a lot of work um, with underclassmen, we actually started doing events that basically made other people who weren't CS feel jealous, right? Like, oh, this is so cool. Like, you know, all my friends are doing this thing and they know how to, they know how Siri works and they know how the algorithms of YouTube and all these different social media work. And they were like, okay, I'll do a CS minor, right? And that's happening at the college level. These are students that were, were pre-med, right? But now they're adding a, min a CS minor. So I don't think it's too late at all. So as an entrepreneur, when you're going through your, you know, ideating process of the company, you're going to start the organization, you're going to start. What was the decision making process like for you when you said, you know, I'm going to target those college students instead of building an organization like a black girls code that actually gets them younger earlier in the process so that they, by the time they get to college, they're more prepared. That's a good question. I think this is the lesson that I have from us that I learned from myself, but also try to share with other entrepreneurs is that. You know, you don't want to think too much about what you're building. I think incremental, like solving the problem in front of you incrementally, you kind of just stumble upon a business, right? That's what happened for me. My freshman year, I was, I got an internship at Two Sigma, had a really great opportunity there. My sophomore year, I came back from that internship feeling very discouraged because there weren't other, you know, black interns there or I noticed that my friends on campus didn't get internships that summer or weren't doing well in their classes or were considering dropping. And so I said, okay, how can I just solve that problem? How can I just get my friends to come with me on all these different opportunities, you know, that I have? And so that was the problem that I solved, you know, in 2017. And then 2018 was I no longer have enough time in the day to mentor all these students. So how can I scale that by creating a, a community of peer-to-peer -peer support. Okay, that was my the problem I solved in 2018 and 2019 by building the club. And then from 2019 to 2020, it's like, okay, well, how can I provide this value to more students on other campuses, right? And so it was just in, me incrementally solving the problem that was right in front of me. And I think that's how everybody should approach, you know, start you know starting a company, right? You don't have to build a Google tomorrow. It's just what's the smallest version of that problem that you can solve today. 
And so to the idea that, you know, not everybody, specifically I'm talking about black people and brown people who come into college aren't ready for the math courses and the science courses. But what are some other barriers that keep them from graduating and then, you know, then allowing them the opportunity to go get internships and jobs right out of school? Yeah, I think there's there's so many. I mean, I, there's a whole podcast episode on those barriers, but I think a couple that I've I know I knew already as a student myself, but then I learned from building Color Stack. One is just financial, right? Like some students just you know can't will drop you know drop out of school or or, or change from a four year to a two year or just be you know indefinitely on leave of absence just because of money. Right. So I think there's a there's definitely a conversation around the afford, affordability of school, especially these private institutions uh, versus state schools, where sometimes it's just money that that prevents someone from continuing. Um, the second thing I think about a lot is. No, no two CS degrees are made equal. Right. You know, you, you would think that, yes, from a Cornell or, you know, a Kennesaw State or Stony Brook University, like they all offer computer science, so no matter which one I pick, I should be good. The truth of the matter is that academia has not stayed on par with industry, and so a lot of what it takes to become a, a software engineer in industry is taught outside of the classroom. And so there are two kind of sub-reasons why, you know, students aren't able to keep up. One is if you don't have the time, right, outside of a class where you're a commuter student or you're working another job to pay for school, and you think that you know you can just do your classes and do homework and be done, you you know you're gonna be SOL when you find out that in order to really get that job, you actually have to do your homework, get a good grade, but then also learn how to become a software engineer. And you know when you're in a privileged position of just being on campus and just focusing on school and all that's taken care of, you have that time. But many of these students don't. And then on the other hand, you also don't have the curriculum that is tied and kind of pegged to industry standards where a school like an MIT or a Carnegie Mellon, they have partnerships with these companies to build curriculum that's relevant. But if you're going to a local, a local school, a small CS department, you just, it just might be out of date. And so I've, it's interesting you say that because I've had these conversations about, you know, industry and universities not being able to stay on par or colleges not being able to stay on par with what they're educating. And so often it comes back to hiring the professors who can teach it because they, those professors can go to industry and make more money than they would, you know, working in a university or a college. And so I wonder what your idea is on how much self-directed education we need to do, even if you're in school for your CS degree. Yeah. How much of this outside of that to your, you, you, you did talk a little bit about this and, you know, you got a job and you got other things to pay for, to pay for that education. How much of that self-directed effort is required in order to get the look from an, a, a big company or a startup that you may be interested in? Yeah, I think, I think for the most part, when you look at a big, like the bigger the company, the more resources they have for learning and development. So as long as you can prove that you can code just generally, a lot of the bigger companies with more infrastructure for learning and development, would, like if you do well in your classes and you can demonstrate a basic knowledge of coding, you'll be able to kind of secure, or at least be on their radar and be competitive for roles at bigger companies. If you're talking about mid-sized company and especially for a startup, they're gonna expect you to come and hit the ground running. So it's gonna require you to 
you know, subscribe to certain newsletters so you know what the newest tech tech is like javascript has a new framework like every year you need to know what those are right um you're gonna have to know how to build an ios app if you want to work on a team that their only product is a mobile app right that's that and that's a perfect example of something that like across the board is rarely taught in institutions right like you might learn how, how to code in python you might learn about databases you might learn about machine learning but even something like ios development isn't a thing that's typically taught in schools because the profess like professors do research and there isn't much re much research done on like mobile app development it's usually like database efficiency or machine learning or like programming languages compilers so things like ios development which is ubiquitous in terms of its impact everybody uses their phone and has apps you're actually not even learning that on average if you get a csv from any school in the country so you have to go out and take a udemy course or go on youtube or get a book you just have to now that and so some of the things that we, we talked about, you know, with that are prohibitive for students to get the degree and actually actually graduating. What are some of those things that actually keep you from getting a job? So let's say you've graduated, you've you went to a mid-level university, mid-level college. You didn't go to Cornell. Not everybody's as smart as you, Jerron. <laughs> but let's say, you know, I went to a mid-level school. I got my degree. And I still can't get a job at the, the company that I'm interested in. What are some of those reasons why? Other than racism. Yeah. Other than that. Yeah. Yeah, let's start. Like, that's already, that's the prerequisite. Yeah. That's always there. Um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, there's, there's some, there's some challenges definitely when it comes to, like, exposure to companies. So, for example, you know, at certain schools, like at a top level school, you're gonna have companies flying out to be at that career fair, right? Every company that you know will go out and make sure they're at Cornell, at MIT, whatever, to, to get in front of those students. What I see at the mid-level schools is that it's usually like local companies. And if you're at a small school in Michigan, there's no local tech company, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. Your, your access and your exposure to employment is is usually at best IT, right? At best, you're learning about some org that has a back office IT team that you might be able to, to work for. Um, you don't even know, you, you aren't even talking to or on the radar of like pure tech, pure software companies that are hiring software engineers, which is what you studied to be, right? So let's, let's, not, like, let's not confuse that. You studied to be that, but the roles and the, and the, and the opportunities that are available to you are more aligned for IT and other things that are not coding. So that's one of the ways that Color Stack obviously bridges the gap. So no matter what schools are going to your career fair, if you're at a small school in Michigan, Illinois, wherever, I mean, we partner with 50 top tech companies today where you can immediately get on their radar. But that's like one of the bigger, bigger reasons. You know, I'm glad you bring up um, Color Stack in the way that you have, because I'm interested in, you know, Color Stack is a nonprofit, number one. Um, a, lot, well, a lot of people will ask, like, how do you make money doing this? You know, because I mean, is, is this like yeah. purely altruistic or are you attempting to like, build, like I want to build a billion dollar organization? Like, how, like what's the motivation behind this? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a lot to unpack there. So for me, you know, me, me personally, my my passion and who I am at heart is I like to help people. I, I'm a servant leader. Like I just want to help people reach their full potential. So, you know, 
the decision to start Color Stack was easy for me because I knew I'd be happy every day. Like every time a student gets a job, even if they just get a good grade on their homework assignment, I am just fired up. Like, let's go. Like, I'm so happy for you. Um, and it doesn't matter how big we get. I'll always kind of have that local mindset of like, if we can help one student, we're successful. Um, so that's just me. That was my motivation personally. Um, obviously, so I started Color Stack May 2020. So this is beginning kind of peak of the pandemic. Um, and so for me, I mean, I still knew rationally speaking that like I had to make this work financially. I had an offer uh, at Google that I had accepted at the time, actually. So I was heading to Google was to be a, to be an associate product manager. Um, and basically my, my calculation internally was, hey, I know I'm not going to make the same amount that I would make if I was a product manager in industry, but I want to be paid kind of respect, you know, appropriately um, for my time and effort working on ColorStack full time. And so I first sought out to raise enough money to do that. So my first goal was raise enough money to do this full time for at least a couple of years. So we got an incubation deal um, with TripleByte and that's, that was amazing. They were so supportive. They got us off the ground. And today, I mean, we have a full-time team of six, two contractors, and we fund that mainly through corporate sponsorships. So similar to, you know, even Afrotech, how you, you know, you guys do an event, you have all these sponsors, they come in and kind of try to attract talent. We're doing the same thing kind of all year round through events and engagement with our students and, and companies have budget for it. Like we're becoming a line item in university recruiting budgets where they're like, hey, all right, we're doing our new strategy for 2023. We got to hit Afrotech, we got to hit Grace Hopper, and we got to partner with ColorStack. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. 
Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I love that. But when you go to a company and you say, look, I'm going to help you with your black talent. There's 99 people who came before you who said I can do that. And 109 coming after you who said I can do that. Like, what is what is it that got them to believe that, yo, Jerron and what he's doing with Colorstack, these are who we need to be working with? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the first there were a couple of early things that I did strategically or. I didn't say I didn't do, do them intentionally, but they happened and they were strategic. Um, the first thing was be, being a CS uh, student myself, the transition from this recruiter was trying to recruit me to, for their company to, hey, I'm now running a nonprofit that you can benefit. Like, that was such a smooth transition because, you know, these, these recruiters were like trying to, literally trying to hire me for their new, new grad programs. And, you know, unfortunately, I said no to a lot of them because I had to pick one. But it was so easy to, like, reach out to them because they were already excited about me as a candidate to be like, hey, well, I'm, I'm doing this other thing that's going to help you in ideally find hundreds of more me's out there in the world. And they were, like, immediately on board because I had built that trust and they already respected me for, you know, a different reason but related. So I had tons of relationships like Duolingo is a good example, Squarespace, some of our silver partners, like those recruiters, I was in their pipeline. They were trying to hire me, right? So it was easy to kind of leverage those relationships. And then the second thing I connected with, uh, um, he's on my board now, Wahab, uh, Wahab Olabi, he's the founder of a community called URX, which is a community of university recruiters. And so we connected, we hit it off. I asked him to join, join my board and like, the, the brand equity and trust just built from that as well, the intros from that as well, like that just all helped out where a lot of the early sales, I didn't have much, but they just, because of my background, because of the people I was associated with, were able to give me a chance and, you know, they were rewarded in the long run. You know, from, from your perspective, um, when, when a company doesn't have black talent at the levels it should, um, what are they what are they missing out on? Because we often talk about this from a justice perspective, like equality and, you know, yeah. having diversity. But what are they actually missing out on? Um, and I'm talking about even from financially, are they missing out on the revenue opportunity for having black candidates, black talent on their teams? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think 
I think you can you can be specific about black talent, but this applies to all kind of intersectional identities out there. I think the more homogenous right a, a team is, the more blind sides you have, blind spots you have where you know you're thinking the same way, right? You have very similar experiences. You just view you view the world in a certain way and you're not able to really bring in new insight and get truly creative on new product innovation or even just how your team should operate or even just lessons learned. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, not every, you know, black student is necessarily low income, but there are lessons learned from being, you know, in certain situations and growing up in certain circumstances that could help when, when companies have to cut budget and figure out, in, you know, innovative ways to get to profitability. But I'm sure if you're if you're a bunch of people who never had to deal with never had to think about money, you probably don't know what you're doing right now. You probably you probably are trying to figure that out. Um, and that's just an example, right? But I think, you know, that I've even learned within um, the, the the space of building a team that's prim primarily black. Like, there's a lot of intersectional uh, value from intersectionality where people are bringing different ideas to the table that I just would never have thought of. And that leads to better outcomes, better products, better solutions, and better returns at the end of the day. You know, we've had um, these stats that come out that talk about, you know, 10% of Google's national workforce is black or, or Latinx. Mm -hmm. and, or, you know, talk about Apple, you know, where I think it's like a, nearly half of their global team is all white people, right? And, yeah. you know, I have the perspective that, you know, I'm not interested in asking for a seat at the table. That's just me. Right. I'm interested in building my own tables. And so I wonder what your take is on these not necessarily competing approaches, but what is your take on the like, look, we're going to continue to beat down the door of Google and say, you need to be hiring us versus we're going to go build the next Google. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm, I'm so happy you brought this up because that I have the same thesis. Like we, we partner with companies and, you know, we we're happy to, to, to help these students get jobs, but my ultimate mission and our ultimate mission at Colorstack is to, to, to give these students agency. I had a really close friend, a mentee that became a close friend of mine and she, a black woman from, from New York, and she um, had a terrible experience uh, interning at, at Google with me, right? We, we had to take walks like almost every day, kind of, she was crying, like it was just a bit, really bad experience, right? And, you know, I could have went to, you know, the manager or, or talked to someone in the team, be like, hey, you guys should do this differently or here's the impact of this and blah, blah, blah. But I focused more on just investing in her. The next summer, she worked at a company, a startup that was building a woman coaching and empowerment platform. And obviously the team was all women and she had the best time of her life. And now she's over there working at Figma, having a great uh, career, uh, you know, career ex early career experience. And so for me, it's all about agency. Like, I just want to help these students, right? I want them to become the strongest engineers in the world so that they can chart their own path, right? Because when you, to your point, if we just focus on like trying to like make these companies less biased, less racist, less whatever, that's just going to be an endless, that's, that's how we got to the point where we're still talking about this 10, 15, 20 years later. I'm not focused on that. They can do their thing. I'm trying to help these students just become the best. Uh, I, I love that. And one of the conversations that we were talking about at Afrotech was, you know, we often talk mm -hmm. about 
getting black people into tech, but it's another thing to keep us in tech because we don't necessarily have ecosystem everywhere, which is why Colors Tech is important, which is why Afrotech is important. What are some interesting ways you found to help those who might be in the ecosystem but might be disengaged from the ecosystem so we don't lose talent that you know could have opportunity here but they don't see themselves? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was some study done that said something like, one of the, there's like a predictor of retention that has to do with like how many friends you make in the workplace. Like if you don't make like two or three, then you're very likely to leave that company. And I think, you know, that applies here as well, where at the very least you need community, which is a thing that Afrotech does. Like you said, this is a thing that Colorstack does, all these events and all these ways for you to connect with other folks that may not be at your company because we know what the numbers look like, but at least you know there's someone in your same role in the industry. And that leads to further retention because you at least have that support system, right? So like, that's one thing that I think is important and I think people need to know about that even if your company may not be the most ideal situation and you can't build community, at least you can do that across different companies through you know, company agnostic communities. But I think the other thing that is missing a lot is understanding what it takes to progress I think what happens is a lot of a lot of recent grads and early career professionals stay in that entry level role, that junior role for too long. And one, it's a fault of the manager, but like we just talked about, I'm not trying to convince a manager yeah. to be less biased yeah. and I'm whatever. Let's just focus on really educating our junior like our, from our community, people who are in that junior level, like here's what it really takes to, to become that level two, level three, that senior level, that manager level. Like, wh what's the next step, right? I think the breaking into the industry and that content is great, but I, I really want to see over the next five years more content and support around once you get there, how do you grow? How do you continue to progress, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still thinking about how you got these deals versus the people who came before you and the people who were in line after you. And so I'm, I'm, cause a lot of it has to come down to you, you know, like what did you learn through your journey, whether it was in school or just upbringing about how to make yourself valuable while you're still in school? Like what kind of things make you more attractive as a person, as a professional, even that aside from turning down a role at Google and aside from going to Cornell, yeah. um, right and getting accepted into Cornell and getting accept, getting a job offer from Google. Like what, aside from those things, like what would you admonish other students to do to make themselves more, not just hireable, um, yeah. but attractive as partners to these organizations? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the first thing is first, you can't, you can't get around this. You have to be good at what you do. Like you, you have to invest in learning what you're really good at and just doing that to the best of your ability. Like that's the one thing that, you know, people are gonna, that's the one impression that you're gonna make with most people. They're gonna remember like, you know, did you say what you were gonna do? You ran that event and it went really well. You were, you know, on time, you, you know, you communicate, like just be a good, whatever you want to be in the world, like just be good at that, right? I think that's where I started. I started Cornell by just trying to be the best CS student I can be. The second level is about kind of networking. I, I hate to say networking because sometimes it's just like people think it's like super professional and boring and like proper, 
but it's really just putting yourself out there. Within my sophomore year, I started to like post on LinkedIn. And even little things like, oh, I just watched Black Panther and I just really, you know, love the representation. It was just a little article, kind of just a couple words. But I started to build this brand on social media um, based on my interests and my accolades that people, you know, started to recognize and, and, and understand about me and build that personal brand so that when they think of certain opportunities, they were able to think of me. Right. And so once you already build that skill set, right, that nobody can debate, you start putting yourself out there so that people the right person can find you see that and 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 promote you know refer you to an opportunity or select you for an opportunity so i think it's like those are the two things that i would say for the most part that you got to do and i think the last thing is like once you get the opportunity it's just like doing what you say you're going to do yeah. following up and just seeing things through i think the 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 biggest thing that students aren't doing right now we deal with this a lot at color stack is just they don't close like they'll apply to this thing that we have. They'll show up to the first event, but then three weeks later, it's like, oh hey, like I'm, I'm. They're either ghosting us or like, oh hey, I got busy or whatever, and they're not kind of following through. Like just close, you know. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of Black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic. 
and at higher risk get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you started that off talking about, you know, actually doing what you said you were going to do. And um, and being good at what you actually are, you know, supposed to be doing. Because I, I have had I have this conversation um, of, of, with several different people on this podcast about, you know, it's mm-hmm. sometimes it can be a faux pas to walk into a job too early and talking about yeah. diversity and equity and include like you need to hire more of us. And you just got hired last week, bro. Like, and, right. like we right. and we hired you to code. And right, now, right. now you've got your Black Panther shirt on. And I mean, you know, come, like, come on, like, actually right. be good at the job. And yeah. then as you build yeah. that credibility, then you can start speaking up on certain things. So I wonder, there, and there's a balance there, and, and, and I'm mm-hmm. sensitive to the balance of, like, look, when you see injustice, obviously, you've got you to address things appropriately. But I, but I think right. about the ways that we want to be, you know, Brother Umar Johnson, <laughs> yeah. and that's no shade on him, so early in the journey of a professional career when you, when you haven't proven yourself to be good at the role that they hired you for. Can you speak on that? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Like you said, there's a balance, right? But I think, and I and I, I want to preface that also by saying, preface this also by saying, like, you know, we we know that the current circumstances aren't right. Like, we, we, we can't change today what happened, right, over the past hundreds of years. We are here today and there are certain circumstances. So these are just ways that we can kind of get around that. But we know, like, I, I, battle, I, I have these conversations with students all the time where it's like, do you want to be that pioneer? I don't think you have to be, and I don't think you deserve to be, but someone needs to be the first black employee at a certain company if that company is going to increase and kind of be more diverse over time. And so to your point, I think, you know, being good at what you do the best as best you can kind of just reduces any evidence, right? Any unsaid or kind of flaky evidence um, for not promoting you, letting you go, like all these different things. And that still might happen just because of racism and bias. But the best thing that you can do for your own agency in your career is just do the work, right? Because at the end of the day, as much as all this other social stuff is present, companies want to be profitable, do better, do better work for their customers, make great experiences, and reward their investors. So if you can just take care of that, right, if you can just write that code, push that product, do the things, you have so much more agency to, to, to add anything on top of that, to start adding new initiatives because of that respect that you have, that you have kind of solidified, right? No, I love that. Um, I was reading an interview, another interview, you were talking about, I'm going to paraphrase a statement that you had here, and mm-hmm. it says, you know, being a computer science major actually forces you to think about things in the same way an entrepreneur thinks about things. Mm-hmm. You, if you remember saying that, can you speak on that and, and elaborate? Yeah, I think 
so when I start learning how to how to code, and for anybody who did, who hasn't learned how to code, it really you're you're trying to tell the computer what to do at the end of the day, right? You you're using this coding language, which boils down into language that the machine that you're coding on can understand to perform some level of computation or render a website or whatever the case may be, right? And what I started to learn early on is that like, you have to be so detailed to write code. Like you have to think about so many different cases, if, else, for loops, like all these different things that boil down to, 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 to solve some basic problem like adding two numbers. Like if you've ever written code, you know that adding two numbers isn't like some super trivial thing. Like you actually have to think about a lot of like um, edge cases and, 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 and math that you didn't think about before. And so I remember on this, I think it might've been the same podcast. I was telling them like, explain to me how you would, how you would, you know, how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And they, they realized how many steps they take for yeah. granted. <laughs> and I was like, well, as a business leader, right, as a founder, if you want to go and build a nonprofit that supports black and Latinx computer science students and you tell me and I ask you how you're going to do that and you tell me, oh, we're going to do events and we're going to run a Slack and we're going to get sponsors. Well, OK, let's break that down into how you're going to do those individual things. You have to break those things down. You have to continue to do that. And it just reminded me so much of like what I learned when I wrote code. So when I come in and think about how to build a company, I'm starting from this basis of like, I've already learned and been trained on how to be so detailed in my solutions that I'm applying that here in the same in the same use case of like starting a company where I'm thinking about each step, each edge case, boiling it all down to its fundamental uh, kind of basic parts of the solution. Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeart Media. It's produced by Morgan DeBon and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Sarah Ergen and Rose McLucas. A special thank you to Micah Davis and Vanessa Serrano. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. Join Black Tech Green Money? Share this with somebody. Go get your money. Peace and love. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. 
get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.